الحمد يوم خلق السماوات والأرض منها أربعة حرم ذلك الدين القيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم المهاجر من هجر ما نهلها الله عنه أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected on my kiram, brothers and elders We have just commenced with the new Islamic year the month of Muharram has commenced and as we understand very well that this is the Hijri calendar so it is 1430 years after Hijra now this attribution to the Hijra this calendar commencing in this manner and attributing it to the Hijra this happened in the time of Sayyidina Umar Prior to that, before the coming of Rasulullah then things were calculated in terms of time, it was calculated in relation to the incident of the elephants. Alam feel. But Allah mentions in the Quran Sharif the army of elephants that came, which was a huge event. And how Allah Ta'ala destroyed all these elephants with those little pebbles from the beaks of those small birds. This Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat and Shan. Allah Ta'ala wishes to destroy a huge army of elephants, which had never been seen something like that before. To the extent that people all deserted Makkah Mukarramah, that there is no, no way we can stand in the way of these elephants. They deserted Makkah Mukarramah and went to the mountains. Now these huge elephants are marching towards the Kaaba Sharif. Allah world, he could have sent some other creature, some other kind of creation of Allah which was perhaps as big as the elephants. Maybe sent an army of some other, some wild animals. Everything is Allah Allah's control. Allah Ta'ala could have sent some angels in that visible form, huge. But to manifest his Qudrat, Allah Ta'ala sent small little birds. Now, as it is, that bird is so small, that elephant, if it had to probably breathe, or with its, its snout, it had to just suck in fast enough, it would have sucked the whole bird in. Now, that's the size of that bird. So, what would be the size of that pebble in his beak. What's the relationship? But this is how Allah Ta'ala manifests his qudrat, that Allah Ta'ala is not, in de- not dependent on any particular means. Allah Ta'ala can destroy it without his means also. Directly with his qudrat, with his hukam. But to show insan that Allah Ta'ala is the controller. So this huge elephant, all it required 
on the level of means. Otherwise, this to Allah, there is not in need of it. On the level of means, that small little pebble that was dropped on it. And that was its destruction. So, prior to Nabi Wasallam's coming, this was the date by means of which things were calculated. So many days before the year of the elephants. So many years after the year of the elephants. After Rasulullah's Nubuat and Bi'that, after he was granted Nubuat, things began to be calculated as from that point. This happened so many years before Nubuat. This happened so many years after Nubuat. But in the time of Hazrat Umar there was a need now felt to systemize it. That was now something that just happened informally. There was a need to systemize it. Umar called up a mashwara and a gathering of all the Sahaba and consulted them that we need to establish an Islamic calendar. So how do we go about this? Where do we start from? What is the starting point, the start date, so to say? It's obvious that the year now, the year, already the system of the 12 months was in place. That the 12 years in the, 12 months in the year, Allah Ta'ala had created this, as mentioned in this ayat of the Quran Sharif that was recited. That these 12 months in the year, Allah Ta'ala created the system from the time the heavens and earth were created. So, this was already in place, but, 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 in the time of time of time of Jahiliyyat, the Quraysh, like many other things that they distorted, they would even interfere with the system of the months. Now there are four sacred months. Zulqada, Zulhijjah, Muharram and Rajab. So any kind of warfare was impermissible in these months. person used to see his arch enemy, even in the times of Jahiliyyat. They had that amount of respect for the world. For the sacred months. Person would see his arch enemy, but it's the month of one of the Ashurul Hurum, the sacred months. He wouldn't touch him. He wouldn't do anything. That's now it's a sacred month. But while on the one hand they observe the sanctity, but at the same time, on the other hand, sometimes they went and that now we can't do anything wrong in, for example, the month of Muharram. But now the month of Muharram came away. But they were just itching to fight, to now launch some attack on somebody. So beforehand, before the month of Muharram came, they decided between themselves, look, this year, Muharram will come two months later. Now it is Rabiul Awal. And we'll make a Muharram later. So now it's not Muharram now. These are the kind of monkey tricks, like the buddy Israel played. They put in their nets on a... Friday and pulled it out on Sunday and they said, well, we were told not to fill fish on a Saturday. So we're not fishing on a Saturday. The nets, well, we put the nets on Friday and we pulled it out on Sunday. So now we, we didn't do anything wrong. The same thing sometimes we do in a subtle way and we appease ourselves. Allah Ta'ala's commands are very clear. But we cut corners, we compromise something, we do, do, do something as our my minds tell us, and we still feel no, I feel no, I feel no, everything is fine. We didn't really do anything wrong. But the heart is testifying from inside. Something is not right here. The heart is giving us that alarm bell. 
Oh, I know this is not right. So in any case, this was the kind of distortion they did. As a result of which, the months all became confused. But the year that Rasulullah addressed the Sahaba in Hajjatul Wada, on that particular year, exactly as it had been from the time Allah Ta'ala created the system, everything fell into place. Nabi Islam said, this year everything has, thing has, thing has fallen exactly into place. There is nothing out of place. So now this is how it will carry on, carry on. There is no way that anybody can change this. So that 12 months of the year was already in place. But this date, that when will be this Islamic calendar? So now the Sahaba gave various views, opinions, that what should be the date of calculation? Somebody mentioned the birth of Rasulullah but that too wasn't something that anybody could say for sure when it happened. Because at that time nothing was being recorded as such. Somebody said the demise of Rasulullah time when he parted from this world. But that was a very painful, painful part of a very painful memory. That's something which was not very easy to use as a besides this is not something that has been taught to us in Deen to keep dwelling on such situations. These occurrences happen in life. Somebody, somebody, somebody passes away. There are tragedies. These things happen. But after that period which Deen has allowed for the mourning period, three days in the case of any general family person, close friend, whatever. And in the case of a woman whose husband has passed away, then she has the mourning period of four months and ten days. Apart from that, Deen hasn't taught us anything about mourning. Mourning, this is something which, that is not part of Deen at all. This is the only thing that Deen has allowed. That three days after a person has passed away, it's natural. Islam is a natural Deen. Has taken care of all the needs of this insa- of this human being. He has a need to even express grief. He has a need to express happiness. Allah Taala gave him Eid. That this is a time of happiness, and to make that that he should express his happiness, it has been even forbidden to fast on that day. Can't fast. The days of Baqi- Eid al Adha come. It's it's now Qurbani. So Eid al Fitr was one day that you can't fast. Eid al-Adha comes, you can't fast three days. Four days you can't fast. Ayam al-Tashriq. So, that need to express happiness, Shariat gave us that. And likewise, insan, somebody close to him has parted, it's human nature. So he has a need to even express grief, but within limits. Within the limits that Shariat has laid out. So he's given the three days. And in the case of a woman now, she's lost her husband four months and ten days. But apart from that, apart from that, this is not part of deen in any way. That every time the anniversary of somebody's passing away comes, now that whole incident is revived and remembered and mourned. We don't find this anywhere. Even in the time of Rasulullah there were many major tragedies where at one time 70 sahaba being martyred 
Nabi Salaam is moved so deeply due to this. But after that time passed, it was never revisited in that manner that this is now one year. This is so many months now. And this is when that never happened. After Rasulullah left this dunya, the Sahaba were, we cannot imagine the grief that came down upon them. Anas says, it seemed like the whole world got dark. And their grief was beyond what we can imagine. But then, as they moved on, it wasn't every year now that they re- revived this grief. This is something alien to Islam. It's something completely alien to Deen of this morning. In this manner that every year there is a morning. Now come the month of Muharram, there is a morning now of Sayyidina Hussain. Indeed, that was a very, very gruesome martyrdom. But that took him to another height. His shahadat took him to another level. But that morning, that is alien to Deen. That is something that has been used by people who have no no link with Deen. So in any case, this discussion came now, came now that when should this starting point be? So many, many views. But, but then finally, there was consensus on this, that the starting point should be the hijrah. The migration of Rasulullah from Makkah Mukarramah to Medina Munawwara. Now, from the various major incidents that took place, many very historical things, among all of them, this was chosen. Hijrat was made the starting point. That year which Nabi Islam migrated, that's the first year. So therefore now we say so many years after Hijrat. So what was the reason behind this? The Hijrat became the turning point. Prior to the Hijrat in Makkah Mukarramah, the Muslims were being persecuted, were being massacred, <coughs> oppressed, Islam was being suppressed. Then the hijrah took place. And from that point onwards, Islam started spreading. Deen started spreading. But that one part of it. Other is that this turning point didn't just happen like a person decided while he's moving from Durban to Johannesburg, so he just went away. Caught a flight the next morning and he's gone. Or a person is going from Makkah, Mukarramah to Madinah, Munawara now. So he just dials for a taxi and then the next morning it will be outside his hotel door and then he'll load his stuff and he'll be gone. A few hours later he'll be disembarking. No, it didn't happen like that. That turning point happened with that kind of sacrifice which is beyond our imagination. That sacrifice had to be kept alive. That spirit of sacrifice. The deen came alive with the spirit of sacrifice. Deen didn't come alive just like that. This turning point came along with that kind of sacrifice which is history can't record it on a general note. If you look into the life of the Sahaba at that time, when the command of Hijrat came, now you go to migrate, leave from Makkah Mukarramah and go to Madinah Munawara. This wasn't an optional thing. At that time, this was compulsory on every person that could undertake this hijrat. Somebody was very ill, somebody just had no way of going. He was totally helpless. He was excused. 
But any person who was not in that situation, it was compulsory upon him to now leave. Every adult male. So now when this command came, they immediately got ready to leave. Hazrat Abu Salama radiallahu ta'ala command came, so he prepared himself. And now he decides to leave. So he is ready to leave. And he comes along with a camel, mounts his wife, puts his child in her lap. Now he's leaving. As he's leaving, the family of his wife, wife, Banu Mughira. Now that was a very different situation at that time. This tribal situation was quite strong. So when they saw him leaving, they came and said, you, you have authority over yourself. But our daughter, she belongs to our clan. She is not going with you anywhere. You live here, she'll live with you. You leave here, she's not coming with you. Are you going, you carry on. They grab the reins out of his hand, up to you where you want to go. Now he's got no choice in the matter because he can't, because he can't, because he can't fend off this whole mob against him. He's one man alone and he's going to, how he's going to take on this whole clan together. So he's helpless to leave now without his wife and child. So now on the one hand he has to carry on. Now that was his wife and his son. So now his clan, they get to know about it. This is what was done. Our person was going, the person of our tribe, even they were not Muslim too. But now this tribalism was so strong that this person now belongs to our tribe, our clan, and he is leaving. And this is how he was treated. They came and took his wife and child away. Well, fine, that wife of his, they took the wife away. But the child, the child is the father's. His attribution is to the father. So that child is attributed to our clan. They come and forcefully take the child away. You keep your daughter if you want. But the child belongs to us. The father is gone to Madina Manovara. The mother is now trapped with her own people. And the child is taken away to the father's clan. And there is no contact with each one, either one. Can we imagine the situation? And on what? That this hijrat is now compulsory. The father had to go. So, labbeg. Nothing will come in the way. I have to go, I have to go. Because this was the turning point was going to bring deen alive now. And make deen spread throughout the globe. This is the seed that was to be planted. That seed was planted with this kind of sacrifice. Now she is trapped here. The child is in another place. The father is in a third place. And she is narrating the incident. That for a whole year. Not one week and one month. For a whole year. So I had nothing else that I could do. I would come out in the morning. Go out to some place in the mountainside, and I would cry till the evening. By the evening, come back. And after one, the one, the one whole year passed, somebody comes and says that, look, don't you people have some pity? For one year, nobody had any, any thought cross their mind. That how can we continue in this manner? What's going on here? Nothing. After one year, somebody asked them, that, don't you care? can't you have some pity on this woman? So they finally relented and said, okay, she wants to go, she can carry on. So now when she can carry on, so the father's clan also said, okay, the, chi- her, the child's 
clan, okay, fine, you can take the child as well. But was that the end of it? She's going to travel now this 450, 500 kilometers on one camel. And in that kind of terrain. And no facilities and arrangements like are available nowadays. It would be a 10 to 15 day journey. Approximately 15 day journey it would be. Can we imagine? But they did it. On what? Command of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala's command. This hijrat had to be done. Had to be done. Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala he leaves with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He is Nabi Salaam's companion. Behind, he has got young daughters. The command of Allah ta'ala is that you go to go. Now the daughters are left behind. The grandfather comes, Abu Qahafa. And he says, your father took everything and went away. And he left nothing for you all. But Asma radiallahu ta'ala anha, she brings the grandfather who's blind, put some pebbles in one box, because those dirhams, the coins of those days were not like it's nowadays. You could be easily confused if it was under cloth. She put some pebbles in one box, flat pebbles, and she makes him feel it from top. No, there's all coins inside, just to pacify him. But now can we imagine her heart at that time? Father is gone, there's nothing available, she has to pacify the grandfather with pebbles. But she is also ready for it. Allah Ta'ala's command, we have to withstand this, we'll do it. And then the journey of Rasulullah and Abu Bakr the manner that they had to leave from the midst of all the enemies that had surrounded the house and Nabi Sallallahu and Abu Bakr have to leave. But with the help of Allah Ta'ala, they leave undetected. But then they have to go and hide in this cave, Qari Hira, and how this journey had to take place, in which manner they had to travel, it's beyond our comprehension. We can just merely get a very, it's for us hijrat. Hijrat is like a discussion. Hijrat is like, well, some essay somebody wrote me, wrote me, wrote maybe. Hijrat is like reading a book. Hijrat is just some talk. But that hijrat was a reality. That hijrat was all these sacrifices were made. Now this is that hijrat. One is that hijrat which happened from Makkah Mukarramah to Madinah Munawwara at that time. One person came to Rasulullah after Makkah Mukarramah was conquered. And he came and said that I am ready for hijrat. Nabi said, La hijrata ba'd al-fatih. Makkah is now conquered. Now hijrat, that compulsory hijrat that was to be done from Makkah to Medina at that time, that is over now. That compulsory hijrat is over. But, yes, striving in the path of Allah Ta'ala, having that niyat, that if I have to, if some circumstances come to in such a way, that it becomes compulsory again to make hijrat. I will do it. That is forever. Walakin jihadun wa niyatun. That niyat and that intention, that determination, that if I am ever in a situation where hijrat becomes compulsory, then I am ready for it. 
then you'll get the reward of it too. Now that is one stage of hijrat. But then in another hadith sharif, Rasulullah once addressed the Sahaba and said to them, Al-Mujahidu man jahada nafsahu fi ta'atillah. One is a mujahid. Al-Mujahid. Who is the true mujahid? He did. The true mujahid is the one who strives against his nafs in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. That nafs is tugging him in a direction of sin, but he suppresses that. That is a jihad. He doesn't give in to that temptation. At that time he feels in the tug of war his heart is going to break. He's ready for it. Doesn't matter if the heart breaks. If it breaks, it breaks for Allah Ta'ala. So he's a true mujahid. Because that jihad against the nafs is what is required even on the battlefield. Otherwise he will start fighting for name and fame. That jihad on the battlefield also will become a burden on him. On the day of Tiamat. So that is that jihad which is required every day, every moment of our life. The jihad against the nafs. So this is the mujahid. And then the muhajir. So one is those muhajirin who migrated from Makkah, Mukarramah to Madinah, Manawara. Nabi Islam says, Wal muhajiru ma man hajara ma nahallahu an. That hijrat is over. But the hijrat that continues every day of one's life. The hijrat that continues daily. Nabi says, Al-Muhajir. The true Muhajir. Muhajir comes from Hajar. Hajar means to leave. Hijrat also, leaving one's homeland. Leaving the place one is stationed at and going away somewhere else to protect one's deen. So this Hijrat, leaving out. Nabi Islam says, the true Muhajir, Man Hajar Aman Hallahu An. Is the one who leaves out whatever Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. He's a muhajir. And he will be resurrected with the muhajirin, inshallah. Now the person, each person knows for himself what I have to leave out. Every person has his own whole life in front of him. Each one knows. We, we know what's within ourselves. Allah Ta'ala knows better than us what we know. But we also know what what goes on within us. Allah Ta'ala is aware of everything. Allah Ta'ala knows the deception of the eyes, what the hearts conceal. Allah Ta'ala knows. Everything Allah Ta'ala knows. We can't hide anything from Him. We also know we can't fool ourselves. We can fool maybe somebody else. A person can be sitting behind that laptop looking very busy and Wife wants to know also that oh, tomorrow I got a very urgent appointment. So to have everything ready beforehand. Some very important presentation I have to make tomorrow. But that presentation is really for tomorrow's meeting or it is part of some illicit meeting. Allah Ta'ala knows. You can hide it from somebody else. Can we hide it from Allah Ta'ala? Allah Ta'ala is aware. One is what is outside. What is outside even sometimes insan gets to know. Person hides it somehow here, there. But when a person persists in sin, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us, then Allah Ta'ala exposes it. Sometimes how it gets exposed, a person then is sitting bewildered. How did this happen? How did this ever happen? He can't fathom what happened. 
This is just for Ibrad. These are just things for Ibrad. Not that we should ever think ourselves as better than anybody. Or look down upon anybody else. But this is ever, every now and again, something of this nature, when it just explodes, what the Ibrad is, that Allah forbid Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us, when a person persists in sin, and this becomes the end result. That it explodes. Many years back, one person who was living in the Spingo area, he had one, some staff of his, he caught the person stealing. So then he caught the person stealing, so he fired him, dismissed him. I didn't follow the procedure, whatever the normal procedure should have been. He just dismissed him without the procedures. So now the next day, that staff member came back. He came back with somebody from whatever union or labor, whatever something. Now they're insisting on the employer, you must take him back. So he said, I must take him back. I can't take him back. He said, no, no, you have to take him back. He said, no, you must give him three warnings. So he said, you must give him three warnings. I know my grandfather from his time, he taught me this. He says, ten days rogue gets caught one day. So now I caught this fellow, it means ten days, ten times before that he must have stolen. I only caught him now. Maybe he must have already stolen ten times. Because I won't catch him the first time. And now using three warnings, it means after thirty times he'll steal. He might wipe me out clean by that time. Then only I can dismiss him. But now that point there, that ten days rogue gets caught one day. The person carried on one time, two times. He thought, no, everything is... I'm too smart. But the 10 days rogue gets caught one day. It happens finally. It breaks out in the open. One is a person, insan is insan. Anybody can make a mistake. We're all human. The we're masoom, we're sinless. The sahaba ikram, Allah ta'ala made them mahfuz. And the special servants of Allah ta'ala. And those few incidents that we find in the lives of the sahaba, that was made to happen so the ummah would learn what is the command of Allah Ta'ala in this regard. How is the law of Allah Ta'ala to be then implemented? But the rest of us are all insan. Nobody is masoom, nobody is sinless, nobody is uh, immune. But at the same time when a person starts persisting, one is he slipped, made a mistake, but then made sincere tawbah, shed tears of repentance in front of Allah Ta'ala, really feels that remorse from within. One is the remorse of having got, person got caught now. So now he's feeling remorseful over what? Over having been caught out. Not the remorse that I disobeyed Allah Ta'ala. That is a remorse for insan that. That's not remorse for Allah Ta'ala. That I disobeyed my Rabb. I disobeyed the Rabb that has given me this existence, that sustains me, that nurtures me. I'm dependent on him every millisecond. I can't survive for the extent of the fraction of a breath without his mercy and grace. And I disobeyed him and then I used his bounties to disobey him. That remorse, that regret, that regret, the regret is now just for insan. That regret is not Tawbah. How could I have done this? Allah Ta'ala, 
he granted me everything and I disobeyed him, that regret. Now the person is regretful, remorseful. Allah Ta'ala loves this remorse and regret so much. That the hadith Nabi Islam says, At-ta'ibu Habibullah. The one who sincerely repents is the beloved of Allah Ta'ala. This is the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. The person disobeyed Allah Ta'ala. He used Allah Ta'ala's ni'mat to break his commands. He blatantly transgressed, did so many things, but now he came back in sincere repentance. Came back crying to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala in that one moment says, this is my beloved. Unlike insan, somebody did something to him, he'll forgive it too, but he says, look, i for- for- forgiven, but don't expect me to forget now. I've forgiven you, fine, don't expect me to forget. So it'll take time now, it'll take time, we'll come right someday, but for now just stay out of my way. But that's insan, that despite sometimes being a trivial thing, he becomes so upset he can't get over it. But Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala's mercy is unlimited. person comes in sincere repentance, in that moment, At-Ta'ibu Habibullah, becomes the beloved of Allah Ta'ala. But nevertheless, this is the aspect now, a person who persists in that sin, then now this is a very dangerous thing. This is inviting the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. Inviting the wrath of Allah Ta'ala in dunya, exposing oneself to the azab of akhirat. So this is that hijrat that is ongoing. One is the hijrat that already took place. And even in this time and age, a person finds himself in such a place where he cannot practice his deen. He cannot fulfill the obligations of Allah Ta'ala. It will become compulsory upon him to then leave. There is much detail to it. It is something to inquire from the ulama when, if such a situation arises. But the point is that that can become the situation for somebody. But this is the daily hijrat. Al-Muhajiru man hajara ma nahallahu an. The Muhajir is the one who forsakes what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden him. Allah Ta'ala has forbidden that haram glance. He forsakes it. He is not indulging in that haram. Allah Ta'ala has forbidden the evil talk, he forsakes that, leaves that out. Allah Ta'ala has forbidden this, I will not do this. Allah Ta'ala has forbidden those deliberate haram fantasizing and cooking up all that evil in the heart. So he refrains from that. The this involuntary thought that crosses his mind and he didn't engage it, he is not accountable for that. Just ignore it and let it carry on. But now he is deliberately cooking up thoughts in his mind. That is something which is, now he is deliberately doing that. Allah Ta'ala is displeased with this, he forsakes that. Allah Ta'ala is displeased and has forbidden that he should indulge in all the other various sins, whether it's gambling, whether it's zina, whether it is lying, backbiting, whatever it might be. Al-Muhajiru man hajara man This is a daily hijrat. Every day, almost every minute of the day, person is faced with something or the other. Externally, internally, the aspect of jealousy will creep in. Allah Ta'ala is forbidden this jealousy. Are they jealous over what Allah Ta'ala has given somebody? Somebody has been blessed with whatever ni'mat it might be. Some ni'mat of dunya, some ni'mat of deen. Allah Ta'ala's blessing, now to be jealous over that is to object against Allah Ta'ala. So now, Al-Muhajiru man hajara ma'anahallahu an. He keeps his heart clean from that. He keeps his heart clean from malice. 
He keeps his heart clean from all the maladies of the heart, the pride, the arrogance. Because Allah Ta'ala has forbidden all this. Now he is a true muhajir. He is a muhajir. Nabi Salaam is saying, Al-Muhajir. This Alif Lam, it denotes that which is complete, perfect. He is Al-Muhajir. He is the true muhajir. Now this is what we have to keep reflecting on and striving to become. That are we truly muhajirs? And how much hijrat are we making on a daily basis? Hijrat in terms of leaving out the sins of the eyes, the sins of the ears, hijrat from the sins of the tongue, hijrat from the sins of the heart, hijrat from the wrong dealings, hijrat from going to haram places, hijrat from all the things that Nabi Islam has forbidden. This is a daily hijrat. So this is that hijrat on the one side was the hijrat that the Sahaba did. Nabi Islam did and the Sahaba did. We just, not even a glimpse. What we just discussed was not even a part of a dot. But this is the hijrat that we are required. At the time of Fajr, the hijrat from the bed. Hijrat from our house to the masjid. That's a hijrat also. Now, in this month, of, we say the new year has started, the hijri calendar. And this is that every day a person should be conscious of the, Islam, of the Islamic date. So now it is, this is the date, whether it is Muharram, whether it is Rabiul Awal, whether it is Rajab. So it's after Hijri, every day is reminding himself, this is the date after Hijra. So after Hijra is reminding himself, keep being a Muhajir. Keep being a Muhajir. So now, all these Hijrats are required. At the time of Fajr to make Hijrat from that bed. Make hijrat from that house and come to the house of Allah Ta'ala. Hijrat from all the sins. So such a person too, inshallah, will be raised with the muhajirin on the day of Qiyamah. So this is that reflection and this is the effort that we have to make to become part of the muhajirin. One is a muhajirin in this context. Then those who make hijrat for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, leave their homes, leave their occupation sometimes, go out in the path of Allah Ta'ala to renew this iman. Refresh this iman. That's a hijrat also. That too is leaving whatever one's things are for the purpose of refreshing this iman. Regenerating this iman. Boosting this iman. That's a very big hijrat too. Though it's a limited time hijrat, it's a hijrat. So we should be making that time also. MashaAllah, the ishtima is around the corner. We should be trying to make some time from there. Whatever. But this is also a part of our opportunity to be taking this, making this effort, coming out in the path of Allah Ta'ala, attending the talks of deen, this is a hijrat as well. All this is to bring that iman to that level that we then become true muhajirs at every moment. Whenever there is a situation, we are able to forsake what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden and do whatever is required from us in terms of our deen. May Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala give us a tawfiq that we become muhajireen in the true sense of the word. And when we meet Allah tabarak wa ta'ala on the qiyamah, Allah ta'ala raises us also among the muhajireen.